You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. So we are instructed by God to train them and show them the way. How do we do that without coming across as self-righteous or superior? Because uh, we're sinners raising sinners. And... Um, recognizing also that like any relationship there's going to be joy and there's going to be conflict. Uh, Brene Brown's done some wonderful work in the area of empathy if you trying to understand what that means uh, but relating and being empathetic uh, it will manifest itself differently at different times and at different ages but I think the one thing that she pointed out um, that's really hard about uh, being empathetic is that it requires vulnerability. Now, I know that for men, especially me, very something very difficult, but it is a skill worth developing. And, uh, you know, look, it's something I have to work on constantly. So if you're like us, we were always, we read so many books. Oh, my goodness. And uh, we were always looking for a list or a way or something that would be effective. So when I think about it, in my heart of hearts, why do I want that? Well, it really deep, deep down, I want to have some level of control. I want to be able to control what's going to happen with my children. Control God, say, I did this, so now you're responsible to do this for my children. And, and what we really wanted is their hearts to be moved and for them to be redeemed, which can't come from us. It comes from God. Um, or, you know, another reason may be that we can, so that we can say, well, I did everything I could do. So you know, it's, now it's all on them um, to have a sense of justification. So we don't have a list. We don't have um, a, a method or anything like that. It's, it's principles, not prescription. And just keep in mind, and this is a reminder that we have for ourselves all the time, we're not creating a product. There's not an outcome that we're looking for. It's relationship. So um, we're going to, the rest of the time, we're going to talk about three things. We'll talk first about what we know to be true, and this is sort of those stakes in the ground, um, where we start in this whole process, and then what it looks like to share the gospel at various stages. So, what we know to be true, and these are just things, this is kind of that talking to yourself rather than listening to yourself. Um, God has given us children. We have a call to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That means guidance, direction, commands. It does mean rules. That's all part of this charge. But those do not redeem, save, and rescue our children. So behavior control, while it's necessary to keep them alive and to maintain order in our society, um, does not get to the heart. You know, as descendants of Adam, we are sinners just like our children. We are radically sinful in the hands of a terrifyingly holy and righteous God. And one of the purposes of the law that Cameron went over last week um, is that the law leads us to God. So that's part of that. You know, this is here's the law, and I'm falling short, and there's something wrong. Um, you know, I tell you, um, and it reveals our sin, which is a good thing to give a name to what it is for our children. 
um, we, we laugh about a story when uh, one of my daughters, we have four daughters, and we were going through the Ten Commandments with one of our daughters, and she's four years old, and she went through each one, and she'd say, oh, I always do that. Oh, I would never, no, I would never do that. And we're getting a little nervous because, like, she's not getting it. And we get to the Tenth Commandment. We knew she was perfect. But. Yeah. <laughs> we get to the Tenth Commandment, and uh, she said, what is covet? I said, well, that's when you want what somebody else has and that God has decided that that's not what you need. And she goes, oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> and, and so that gave us a chance to say, that's what Paul said too. The Tenth Commandment is the one that convicted him because it's the one that talks about your heart. Um, it's almost com- completely about your heart. Um, so again, you know, that's the law. Recognition of sin is a good thing because you've got to see your true nature before you can repent. And there is a reason that your child feels bad when they do something bad. Um, They know that they're deeply flawed and they have a name for it and to know this is what it is really will bring some comfort. It's not just um, our faith that talks about sin. It's it's everywhere. Everywhere out there is telling us we don't measure up. Um, David Zoll had a good quote. Plenty of non-religious voices are out there lining up to tell us how inadequate and not enough, uh, a.k.a. bad we are. So it's out there and for us to be able to name it for our children. Uh, The heart, everything out there is saying follow your heart. (laughs) We've got to be that counterbalance and say that's not true. Um, The heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked. You can't trust your heart. You have to trust God. Um, We need redemption and rescue because we're naturally prone to disobedience. We're radically loved, rescued from the penalty of sin. Love always transforms the object. And our children, and this is something I still at, at our age we repeat and tell ourselves all the time, They will only be saved and redeemed, rescued by Jesus, entirely by him. We're responsible for sharing it, but not for the result. That's that's in his hands. We, thanks be to God, we are no longer under works. We don't parent to get a result. We parent out of joyful obedience to our Lord and Savior. We are incapable of getting into their hearts, of changing their hearts. This is the work of the Holy Spirit alone. And so with that, um, we'll go to a little, we have a little comic. I think this came from um, New Yorker. Um, But um, just to to read this out, you know, here's a coach coaching parents. And he says, okay, and here's a little girl playing soccer. He says, okay, here, okay, okay, big cheer here, but not, but nothing that will, that might be construed as pressure. (laughs) Quiet now, but a supportive quiet. Watch your body language. You know, just, anyway, just sort of a funny little humorous little thing. But so the the thing is, the the point here is that where this really starts, it really starts with you, um, Rob, or or with ourselves. Uh, there's a great quote from Rob Yancey, and he says, "The most important thing you can do when it comes to parenting does not actually involve your child. It involves drinking deeply." 
from the well of God's mercy and grace yourself. So we're commanded in Deuteronomy 6, 7, uh, and you've sure, I'm sure you've all heard this. Teach them diligently. Pardon, yes, in your handout. Uh, teach them diligently to your children, and you shall walk, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You know, so the implication there is all the time. You know, there's always opportunity. There are always moments to teach and train your child. But what does the verse just prior to this say in 5 and 6? It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your might. So again, it starts with you. When we read this verse, and right away we recognize, I recognize that I certainly wasn't consistent in doing this and that we don't do this. Uh, Every day, every day, I love myself more than God. I look to my own interests and I fail to trust Him. Would that I would make that a daily confession. This recognition leads me to be overwhelmed with the grace of God as all that he's done for us and the beauty of the gospel. It's a favorite saying of ours, I am more sinful than I imagined, but more loved than I ever dared hope. I'm accepted, made new. No longer am I under the tyranny of the law, but I've been set free and not of my own doing. Also in speaking of the gospel, John Calvin, another great quote, he said, It is not a doctrine of tongue, but of life, you know, your life. It cannot be grasped by reason and memory alone, but it is fully understood when it possesses the whole soul and penetrates to the inner recesses of the heart. Again, I think that's in your handout. You know, remind myself that he sought me, and he made me his own. And in spite of our flaws, our brokenness, um, our good parenting and bad parenting, you know, he's our Savior, not me. He can change hearts. I can't. My time with him is intended to bring joy and refreshment, a time that I can pour out my heart to him. When I can focus, when, when I can focus uh, on my relationship with him, he will give me grace and power to share the gospel with, with my children. Yeah, we have a clip afterwards of um, a father that was so focused on the child (laughs) instead of himself that he couldn't even see where he needed to repent himself. Um, So we find ourselves there a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, so what does this look like? Um, If we're supposed to talk about the gospel in the morning, at night, when we walk along the way or in the car, everywhere, how do we do this? So um, we have just... A few examples, uh, the principles are all the same, um, and, and some of these are, are from our own lives, so we, we're not going to name any of our children. <laughs> it's good, they're all girls, so it's all female. Um, but we found that, um, you can change the slide, um, at the very beginning, this says, um, the baby's nice, but it's not the narcissistic rush I thought it would be. <laughs> so this, this new baby's not really delivering for her parents like <laughs> she was hoping, they were hoping. Uh, for young children, we think that you just have to have a very basic understanding that disobedience is called sin, and that sin causes separation from God and from each other and that there is always a cost. There's a consequence. That Jesus bore the co- cost of the cross on our, uh, uh, on the cross for our sins. So the story of Adam and Eve. I mean, they, you've probably seen the saying that over and over, talking about the, um, 
the disobedience there. And we had a refrain with our children when they would uh, disobey that they were to go to the person that they disobeyed or that they harmed and said, I'm sorry that I, or not I'm sorry, but I was wrong to blank. Will you forgive me? We did not say I'm sorry because sometimes they weren't sorry. Yeah, right. But that they could recognize I was wrong. Um, will you forgive me? Um, so that gives them the truth about who they really are in it, and it gives them the, a vocabulary uh, to make sense of their limitations and contradictions. So one of the stories, um, our four-year-old daughter had just di- willfully disobeyed. So I'm not talking about a mistake. Or, you know, something like knocking over an expensive lamp, which she did, or forgetting to, to clean up her room, which she did. I'm talking about, I had very clearly stated, it is time to pick up your toys. And let's do this now. And she says, no. And so I say, and here's the dividing line, honey, pick up your toys or you will be disobeying me. So she knows exactly what the terms of this agreement are right here. So she looks me squarely in the eye and puts one defiant hand on one defiant hip and goes, no. And then, you're not the boss of me. (laughs) So that was a moment. And Drew and I had, we had already talked about this ahead of time, how we were going to handle this. Uh, We would then say... The same words, and they can even repeat this back to you today. Uh, you disobeyed me, and now you will have the consequences of your disobedience. So we made it an event. Um, so see if you can follow the gospel process here. You have disobeyed me. We would then separate them in a place in the house. It's the same spot. This is not in front of other children. Uh, It's between the parent and child, just like it's between us and God. And then we would say, I love you too much to let you behave this way. God caused this sin, and there's always a cost. Now you will have the consequences. And it's really kind of cute when you have a little two-and-a-half-year-old that's trying to say consequences. Um, But they know exactly what that is. So then we would apply discipline. And the event, again, the stopping of my day and making this event had more impact than anything else. And then separate. Your sin has separated you from God. We want them to feel the separation. Walk out of the room. Think about what you did. I'll be back in a few minutes. And then return and forgive and reconciliation. Um, and we would pray, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I do this with God every single day. I have to come back and say, I've sinned, I'm sorry, and ask forgiveness. Um, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, so that, that was the elementary. And that was the young child. Yeah. And so we'll go to sort of an elementary age. And I'm sure um, none of you have run across this yet, but uh, you know, here's a little cartoon. It's uh, mom and dad sitting there talking to their daughter with arms crossed. It says, "We're your parents. You don't get a closing argument." Except they did. Except they did. All right. I, we had four strong-willed daughters, and uh, so they would always try to get in the last word. So th- you know, this is the age where 
uh, getting along with others, um, uh, and, and maybe and where they are learning to get along with others, and maybe a bit of uh, negotiation. Uh, let's say you know you've got an 11-year-old daughter, nine-year-old son. They're fighting. They come running up to you and says, "Daddy, you know she took my Lego pieces, and I want to finish my Ashton Martin." If y'all haven't seen that one, by the way, the Ashton Martin, man, that is an awesome puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Anyway, and, and then and so she'll say, uh, well, I took them because he won't give me my markers and he let one dry out. So, you know, obviously they're trying to pull you into their disagreement to create that conflict triangle, I think it's called. And so, you know, our goal here when there was conflict between the girls was to learn compassion for, for a sibling. Both have a um, sinful heart, sinful nature. You know, they're going to do wrong. Um, and they're, that they are both after their own desires and wants first. And so we, you know, our, our effort here was to, uh, teach them to resolve conflict with one another without our involvement. Uh, but to do it with compassion. Um, and I'm gonna let Rita sort of talk about yeah, with, a. Without our intervention. Yeah, without our intervention. Because Rita had a wonderful <laughs> technique that she used with the girls. So this is something that Cameron asked me to share. <laughs> I told him about this one time. Uh, y'all, y'all may do something similar. But we called it the green sofa discussion. Because at the time we had a green sofa. So when that happened, we'd I'd say green sofa. Uh, you've, and they knew they had five minutes to confess to each other and reconcile. Um, that they had to work it out on their own. They probably both had done something wrong and they needed to reconcile with each other. So I'd set a timer and when I came back, if they weren't hugging and kissing, then they had a chore to do in the house and they would have to do that together. <coughs> and at the end of that chore, if that hadn't been done, they'd have another one. And I think there was only three or four times that we had to go through the chore thing because they, they knew they, they wanted to get that <coughs> over with. But it gave us a time of discussion um, that afterwards that we're all sinners in need of grace. And when we recognize our sin and uh, the depth of our sin, then it's easier for us to forgive our brother. Uh, and there's the parable of the unforgiving servant. It's one that we talked about a lot with our kids. So then with um, older children, um, this is where it gets a little more complex. Uh, and maybe this uh, a lot more complex. A lot more complex, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Cameron's ministry rooted is just such a great tool. If you're not accessing those tools and resources, I encourage you to do it. This is again. I think a lot of times we think they're older and we can let them go. Some um, we still have that responsibility. Uh, Keller, Tim Keller, had a good quote. He said. Most Christians rely on institutions and formal instruction to pass on the faith. We assume that if we instruct our children in true doctrine, shelter them from immoral behavior, and involve them in church and religious organizations, then we have done all we can. But youth are turned off not only by bad examples, but also by parents who are not savvy about the lives and the world their children are living in or who cannot be open about their own interior spiritual lives. So this is vulnerability and relating and continuing to have these conversations with your older child. So when the time we started thinking back, when did we have those moments that they will still bring up? It was when they'd have success and triumphs. It was when they were, had suffering and failures. 
um, you know, it was when we could bring it into a salvation narrative. So if they had a great success, reminding them the success came from God. God put you in this situation. God gave you these abilities. He puts you in the situation where you could have the success. Um, failure and disappointment. This is, this is, you know, when they look to you and you say, this is character building and this is real life. This is where you learn humility and compassion for others who aren't as successful. And I'll tell you, some of the suffering will look less serious than a decade. You know, I didn't get asked to prom. <laughs> But some of it, unfortunately, has uh, lasting, lifelong effects, and it's very painful for you as parents to see your kids go through something like this. Uh, but this is an area of trust on our part to believe that God is good, and just because I don't know his plan, I can still trust him without him telling me the whole story. Um, and that he's sovereign over my child's life. He loves him or her more than I do, and that I can convey that to my child in the midst of suffering. So one of the things we used to do with our kids, and this is when they were probably in their teens and even to today we sometimes do this, is we call it a diet do run. At the time, Western had a machine that had diet do for 50 cents, and so that was kind of the signal, I need a diet do run. So we would go and get a diet do and drive around and talk. And so that would be a chance for us to be by ourselves with that one child. Um, and then we'd see them do that with each other, where they'd say, you know, come with me, I need a diet do run. So when you see them, you know, for example, they'd have a team tryout and they'd put so much effort into it and it was like all their hopes and dreams were tied up in this and they, they didn't make it. They're gonna take the cues from me. Do I fall apart too? Or do I say, oh, no, this is such a disappointment, and just listen to them and say, but we've got, you know, the, the um, successes and failures both are times to turn to God, to run to Jesus. And that's part of that coming alongside yeah. of them, um, in the, particularly in those times of disappointment. And we, you know, the success can go to your head and failure can go to your heart. And it's time for a gospel discussion with both of them. Um, what we wanted to avoid at all costs was often what turned out to be the most redemptive to our children. Uh, it leads to a discussion, even when it's from their own fault, that led to a discussion of how sin promises but doesn't deliver, and the hope that God will use that suffering to not only refine us like gold, gold so that we depend on him, but that we can be a source of comfort to someone else. Um, so point them to the means of grace when they're hurting. This just happened a couple of weeks ago. One of my daughters called. She was very disappointed about something. And said, you know, let's go, let's go back to Isaiah 40 through 60. Just read through that. And she sent me verses through text, just how helpful that was to her, that we had those discussions. So... Um, there are also times when you may give your child grace and it doesn't have the effect that you want it to do. And it suddenly leads to a change that you're hoping for. Um, this says, now remember, be the, the yourself we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
too often we tend we will derive our worth from our children and God so these are the things that we would tell ourselves that God's already solved the issue of worth our worth only comes from the cross and we can't change their heart and transform them I'm not a savior it's why they need a savior so in those moments when you're disappointed um, the um, there there's a confession element to this of that we have a desire to raise children to make us proud. Um, that we can take pride in the fact that we did a good job. That that's the theology of glory. It's not the theology of the cross. And uh, when we don't see a change in them, I just encourage you, as we encourage each other, to have faith that. We don't know what God is doing in their heart at that moment. And also, focusing on their walk um, distracts me from my own walk. So, you know, I would find myself praying for my child and reading books and trying to see everything, and, and I'd read verses and go, oh, she needs this, oh, she needs this, and stop. What about me drinking deeply from the well from God? and spending my time with him and let him handle my daughter and her heart. Um, Remembering, too, that the beginning and end of their story does not begin and end with my lifetime. So I will trust that he is good, his ways are not my ways, and his thoughts are not my thoughts. And then finally, um, God's ways and purposes are not. We've got, I mean, the scripture (coughs) is full of it. You think about, put yourself in the position of being the mother or father of Rahab, Judah, Tamar, Bathsheba, David, Joseph, Mary, John the Baptist. I mean, I think there's probably a hundred more. Those parents would not have written their child's story that way. But God was glorified in their lives, and um, they were listed in the genealogy of Jesus. John the Baptist was uh, foretold it. So, um, so one, a, a couple of last things. We, um, our experience when you're in the moment with that child who is failing or who has disappointed you or does not seem to be walking in the faith. Um, be honest with them about where you think they are, but not over and over, just once. And then give them grace in the moment and be with them, stand with them. So Drew and I love uh, movies that um, show redemption. And one of our quirky little favorites is Little Miss Sunshine. Y'all seen that? Um, if you haven't, it's about two very earnest parents who are in over their heads with a career that is not successful, a son who is depressed and dressed as goth, a brother-in-law who's hospitalized for suicide attempt, and a grandfather who's pretty creepy. So they decide to take a cross-country trip that they cannot afford. In a broken-down van. In a broken-down van. <laughs> so that their daughter can compete in a Little Miss Sunshine contest. So this is their ray of hope. It's one thing that they can do in an otherwise gloomy life. So the overwhelmed mother just lets the grandfather handle the daughter, getting her prepared for the, um, 
for the talent competition. And you know, this is where they, little girls do little ballet and that kind of thing. So unbeknownst to them, the grandfather, who by the way, dies on the way there, and he has a very rat, really creepy view of the talent his, his granddaughter would bring on stage. So the family's moment of sunshine didn't turn out as they expected and hoped. And it's the way that they respond. We're not going to play the clip, but the way they respond that I want you to consider and to think through if, you, if you've seen it, that they watch it and they're going, oh my gosh, what am I seeing? This is awful. And then they see everybody else turn on their daughter. And what do they do? They stand up and they clap. And they don't just stand up and clap. They stand up and they get up on the stage with her. And they don't just get up on the stage with her. They get up there and they get in it with her. And they all come together. Her name is Olive, which is like the olive branch. She's the Christ figure and she brings them together. So you don't know by standing with your child what God is going to do in um, his or her life. Um, so a message of grace is Christ stands alongside us, not allowing us to face the world or God's condemnation alone. So we've got one last clip, and this is uh, from Dan in Real Life. And um, it's, it's one of the most powerful things that you can demonstrate to your child, and that is asking for forgiveness. So Dan is a widower. He has three daughters. And he has been lecturing his middle daughter throughout the entire movie about her new boyfriend. Um, that she does not understand love. She's too young and too immature. She cannot be with this boyfriend. And along the way, Don has unwittingly hurt his youngest daughter and has acted in a real selfish manner. In fact, he's so focused on his middle daughter and her behavior that he is blind to his own until the very end. So the point here is he recognizes his sin and uh, comes to ask for forgiveness. Keep well saying. Notice that the sisters stand together with her. Girls, I'd like to talk to Lily alone. Is that my goodness? Yeah, notice the looks. Okay. I kind of lost my head. 
head. Kind of stupid because I love her. That's not. I don't love her. That's not what I meant. I mean, how could I love her? I've only her for two days. Yeah. And how can you know in three days? I don't know. Yes, I do. I love her. So just about the vulnerability. I think that's what I loved about this particular scene of the dad with his daughters. And we'll finish with a uh, final quote. Reed, I'm not sure where we got this quote. But, um, wonderful quote. It says, uh, and I think this is in your handout as well. It's not. Gospel-astonished parenting frees us from obsessing over mere behavior modification. It's not about behavior modification. It teaches our kids that obedience will never merit God's acceptance, but rather when the gospel penetrates our souls in the inner recesses of our hearts, we find ourselves wanting to obey. It lifts the burden of having all the right answers and doing all the right things by focusing on the only answer and only thing mighty enough that has the power to transform the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's that's our... We've got a oh, few minutes... Yeah, we're done. Huh? Oh, are we done? I think we've got a couple. We've got a couple of minutes. If there are any questions or comments or whatever. What I struggle with is that sort of continuum of the law. You know, all the books talk about you know, teaching them, you know, to look both ways when they cross the street. That part's easy in terms yeah. of like safety and health. And yeah. But it's all the stuff in the middle. Yeah. It's like social customs. Yeah. You know, why are you wearing just workout gear to school every day? You know, or, yeah, or, or yeah. why are you not? You know, and also, just like you know, being. I mean, there's part of this, you know, on, the, on where it reveals in me is like on, you know, on the ball fields, like, hey, just try your best. I don't care how good you are, but just try. It's that part that I'm, you know, I sort of convicted. But where do you, I mean, how do you do that in the middle there, where it's not? You know, there is there is no sort of religious value in whether or not they wear their sports coat as a as a boy. They wear the blue blazer at the church or not. But that's a you know something I'm coming down. You know, where how do, where do you draw that line? Well, I mean, I would say this is just simply opinion. So, um, and I think at a younger age we can draw the line harder. And then at an older age where they're becoming their own person, we, you have to, I mean, for us, we felt like we had to look beyond some of those things. Right. It needed to be about the heart and about the relationship. Although, believe you me, those were very difficult for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and there were times, too, we didn't bring this up, but there were times when 
you know, we would um, we would have laid down the law with one of our older children, a uh, teenager, and then they asked for mercy and grace, and everything in us would say, no, but this is what you deserve. This is what we agreed to. And, and, and God would move our hearts to have mercy, and those are things that they will still bring up. And I can't even tell you which way it would go because there were times too when we just said like Drew drove one of our daughters to school every single day her senior year because she kept getting grounded and um, <laughs> every day and so um, but she still will say that's one of the most precious times in her life we didn't see it that way at the time it was a real pain <laughs> but but we we didn't we didn't relent on that one and God used that so I don't know if that's any help and I think this is again part of the you know, those, a lot of those things are, it's very difficult. There's not, uh, again, there's not a prescription yeah. for this. Um, and, and I think that's why it's so important that, that as a parent, you know, you, you're, um, uh, drinking from the well deeply yourself. And, and then some, and somehow through that, um, you know, through that relationship that you have with Christ, with God, that, that, um, uh, it will help you in those, times when you know sometimes those decisions you know need to be made and they're again they're not easy and very different you know those sorts of examples uh you know sometimes when they get a little older and they start you know in our case when you know start dating you know some of those decisions and you know were pretty easy no you're not going to date that guy uh, but um uh, you know this you know so there's difficulty there um, we have in your handout a prayer. We don't have time to read this prayer, but this is one that Drew and I pray a lot for our children. Um, so it's put by Scotty Snuff. Um, I guess that's it. Thank, I'll just I'll say a quick closing prayer. Father, thank you again for this time that we could uh, hopefully convey some truth. Hopefully this has been a uh, time of learning for all of us uh, and, and has been helpful as we uh, seek to Raise our children, our grandchildren, uh, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We give thanks in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.